All right, so do the best you can to use human words to exp- to explain what a drop of heaven is like in a prayer experience. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat way to speak yes. of a mystical prayer experience. It, the only way I could explain it is like it transcends time. Like everything that's earthly doesn't matter, and all you want to do is run into the arms of Christ. Um, my, my wife refers to it, you know, I become a weeper. Like I don't know if it's the gift of tears, but like when he shows up, I melt like it just absolutely crushes me. Um, and I'm just undone. It, it happens in adoration. It's happened at a Protestant um, prophetic, you know, like I was the only Catholic in this Protestant group. And then it yeah. was like the most resistant guy is now just undone, snotting, crying, like <laughs> undone, like, Lord, what do you want of me? So yeah, it's just, it transcends time and it just creates in you a desire for more. And it's like such a gift. And I need to ensure that I'm not seeking the gift instead of the giver. I know that's super cliche, but it's like, wow, when you get that touch, it's like, Lord, why? And then you want more and he wants more of me. And I, he, he knows that like, if he gives me these little things, I'm going to run after him hard. Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite. I will be your host today, and I'm joined here with my good friend Aaron Richards. Hello, Aaron. Hey, he Dan. is back and ready for more. Uh, and yeah. Aaron, we are with some amazing on-fire Catholic camp dads today. Camp dads are my favorite people. Really? Um, camp dads, camp moms, they're the best. But we have Jeff Zimber and Thomas Yep. Welcome, guys. Thank you, Thank All you right. very much. Awesome. Quite the show. Yeah. Quite the yeah. show. Thank you. Oh, welcome so, to the show. Uh, my son yesterday, I was like, okay, this is Mr. Yep. He's like, yep. And I was like, no, this is Mr. Yep. He's like, yep. Yeah. And I was like, bam. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that a lot? Oh, my gosh. All the time. Yes. Nope. Nope. It's not the yeps. Yep. 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 It was a political campaign for back in high school. So. Oh, yeah. Well, wait, what was what was the slogan? Oh, it was uh, Don't say vote nope. yes for yep. No, yep for go. yep. Yeah. It's Man, won. I had all kinds of inappropriate <laughs> slogans in, yeah. in high school that I almost got suspended for. So okay. we won't say them on air but yeah. it, it was fun we it started fun. something in our house where whenever diggory makes a joke we rate it to try to teach him proper humor so that would have been so that would have been a good five yeah. level five yeah level, level. <laughs> good five yeah yeah, yeah. what a that's, great teaching that's, that's tool. a smart it's a smart thing so you guys are from Coeur d'Alene, uh idaho and yes. i forgot to introduce jeff yeah. I no i did introduce okay, jeff great. i just didn't no. talk about his last it's name okay. Zimber. Zimber. No. Zimber. No. yeah that's a good last name um but so if you're welcoming if you're like joining our show for the first time we we really like to highlight just this idea of how an encounter with jesus christ always leads to a mission right Right? So I can't, like St. Paul on the road to Damascus, he encountered Jesus and yep. it set his heart on fire. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit in Damascus when the apostles prayed with him and it led him to a missionary life. And we can't encounter Jesus and not lead to mission, right? An encounter, it would be a false encounter where it's like, I've encountered him, but it's just all about me and him. An encounter with Jesus does something to us as people that draws us outward and, and to lead others to him. I call this Buddy the Elf evangelization, right? That, That's one way of looking at yeah, it. Buddy, <laughs> Buddy the Elf, when he busts into his dad's boardroom and he's like, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care yes. who knows, right? Yes. When you fall in love with Jesus, all of a sudden you want the whole world to yeah. know. You know and, as, you're, as you're speaking, this, is never, this has never struck me before, not about the Buddy the Elf thing, oh, but like, being in relationship with Jesus makes us more like Jesus, yes. right? And Jesus... Like, can you, can you imagine how silly it would be if Jesus was a guy who, like, 
<laughs> was afraid it's gonna be Jesus. It's gonna be Jesus and me. Yeah, yeah. Just, just me and the Father today. <laughs> awesome. I'm not doing anything. Yes. Just yeah. me and the Father. Yeah, good luck. Good, good point. Weird. Sorry. So we're Sorry. this show's gonna we'll be kind start. of. We're gonna hear about like from you guys on how you've encountered Jesus Christ and then how that's led you to a life of mission. And I love like just been hanging out with you the last few days. And I remember when it, actually we're friends with Jeff, your sister, and she she was like, dude, you need to meet my brother. And this is how she described you. She's like, he he's he's in love with the Lord and hungry for more, right? Which is like the <laughs> best introduction ever. Like I yes. want that to be like the yes. way people describe me, right? in love with the Lord and hungry for <laughs> yes. more. And just like that, that idea. And I think that's what we've encountered with you guys is just people who are in love with the Lord and hungry for mm -hmm. more. And so maybe just for the show today, we could share a little bit about your testimonies, how you encountered Jesus, how you got like set on fire for the Holy Spirit, and then how that's like exploded into a life of mission in your work, in your family, and outside of work and family, like all the things you're doing. So Jeff, why don't you start us off, okay. man? Like how did you fall in love with Jesus initially? Like what was what was it before your encounter with Christ, and what was that encounter with Christ like? I would say before my encounter with Christ, it was very lukewarm. Um, like, I did the things, I checked the boxes, but it wasn't, like, my reason for existing. <clears throat> it wasn't the lens by which I made life decisions. It was in the peripheral. Um, I grew up in business at a very early age, and it was all about business, like, my will over my life, <clears throat> not the Lord's will over my life. And, you know, we did it. I did it well. Like, I did it with the intentionality of a Christian, but I'll never forget, like, I was maybe 10 or 15 years into my business career, and my business development guy was like, oh, I know your brother was a Christian. I didn't know you were. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, uh, that cut. Like, I don't think he realized, like, the Holy Spirit was speaking through him at that time <laughs> because it was, like, it was sobering. It was like, wow. Like, I'm not walking this out in a robust way, but however, like, every board meeting, we could crush it. We could go get the results. We could do all this. But in terms of my faith, why is that empty here today? Um, so it was, it was like a slow and steady conviction. Um, and I felt the Lord call me out of business, like in a, in a very specific way. It was tw almost 18 years in and like, I would wake up thinking about business, go to bed thinking about business. Yes. I was a family guy. Yes. I was the husband, but what preoccupied most of my time was thinking about excelling at work. Um, and then the Lord was like, Hey, what if you replaced the relationship with me for the business? And I was like, Oh, wow, that'd be fascinating. And then all of a sudden, my business passion went away. And the only way, like, I was like psychologically, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like, someone moved my cheese. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is why I get out of bed in the morning. And the only way I could get excited about this was putting like a philanthropic Christian cause to it. I was like, well, why don't I just stop teasing it and then just go all in with the Lord? Mm. Um, and then that's where the Lord just started paving this path to sell the business and called me specifically out of it. And I would say, you know, I've had a lot of encounters with the Lord, but in selling the business and being called out of the marketplace traditionally was a deeper level of surrender I've never experienced. Wow. Yeah, yeah you were like kind of crushing it in business, weren't you? What was the line of work you were doing? Yeah, it, you know, it didn't matter. Like it was the widget, right? So it was waterproof. It was a waterproofing product. My wife still today can't really articulate what I did, <laughs> uh, but that's okay. It was, it was a waterproofing product. So super niche. And, you know, I, I got into business young, so it was about proving what I could do to those that thought I couldn't. Um, so I really, that was really what propelled me. So it was very egocentric. Um, but then I also loved like, um, working in polar opposites as well. So like I could crush it, but then also like try to be that Christian boss as well and be the counselor and all that stuff. But yeah, we, we grew it to a handful of States and scaled it and did everything they said they couldn't. Um, but then it got boring. It was like, 
once you reach your goals, it's like, now what? They're just empty goals. Um, you know, and we do the things, but the things that we were doing weren't as meaningful and as impactful. It wasn't infused in my life. It was like the things along the way, not the reason for being. Yeah, I love that. A lot of times I say you the way you measure whether or not Jesus is Lord of your life is what are you thinking about when you wake up and what do you think mm-hmm. about when you go to sleep? And if the first thing you think about in the, when you wake up and the last thing you think about is business, then business has become Lord of your life. And it's not that business is bad, but if that's like, if that is all all you think about as opposed mm-hmm. to the Lordship of Jesus, like then then what is Lord, right? If I wake up and I'm Amen. thinking that even, even I can wake up and just go straight into thinking about, oh, my kid's calendar or my kid's schedule. And if that's like where my mind goes right away, it's like, okay, well, have I, have I misplaced priorities in my life? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like you were evaluating and doing oh my that. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, w- like I, I woke up, like I identified as a business guy, right? A guy that could go do things, not as a son of Christ. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Like, I'm still struggling through that, like in terms of, wow, like, I don't identify in what I'm doing, but like being in our father's arms, that's very different, especially for a business guy, right? It's like, it's about achieving, doing, and now it's like about being and loving and intimacy with him. Like that's, I'm, I'm going through a significant period of unlearning of a lot of the business behaviors. Yeah. So you're pretty intense. So a, a lot little of, bit. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, and like, uh, I'm, guess, I'm intimidated. Right yeah, now. yeah. So my guess is when you're like, it, it's very intrusive. It gets in the way a lot. Yeah. Ask my wife. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. Yeah. But so when you when you go after something, you go after it, right? So now all of a sudden you're, you're you have a conversion. You're going after the Lord. What what are some of the like? I just I, I feel like your conversion must have been pretty dramatic. Like, oh my god. Okay, yeah. I'm going after him hard now. Like, so what was that like when you you said I made a decision to sell my business? That's a pretty intense decision. Like you're you're young you're like okay i've encountered jesus i'm gonna sell my business like that's a drop everything and follow him kind of a thing well yeah and it, and it was a slow and steady right the outcome was sell the business but there was like the lord you know he's the perfect gentleman and he was coming alongside me for so many years and just like planting these seeds and it was interesting my um my business coach handed me a book called halftime by bob buford and it was really about like departing like it was for business people departing from success as the world defines it to significance in the world in, in the lord's eyes hmm. um and it was like wow like here's this agnostic that handed me this book that changed my life and it was like i gotta sell this thing so the natural conversations to follow is how much right because that's that's a lot of the questions of business like yeah. is how much hmm. and um so i convinced my partner and his wife like hey what if we sold this thing and x and then we go right so that was like a slow and steady to sell the business because the passion went away and the passion's not there. It's not worth doing. Like everyone around me was like, why are you selling this thing? This is what, in, this is what every entrepreneur works for. I was like, but this is not what I'm working for. Um, and the Lord called me back to business and blah, 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 blah. But, but yeah, so then the Lord just started showing up in mystical ways is the way I'm starting to understand that as I unpack this with my spiritual director. And I guess the only way I could say it is like in the last six years or so, the Lord has showed up in such a meaningful way, like a tangible way, where I get a drop of heaven and it just creates in me an insatiable appetite for intimacy with him. Mm. So he's like rewriting this, but like I went about the relationship with the Lord very formulaic as maybe a business person would. It's like, okay, well, I had a plan and I'll just do the plan and I'll check the boxes. Well, that's pretty empty. Um, But then he's like, gosh, he just tenderized, tenderized my heart. Um, called me into fasting and serving others and letting go and letting, you know, and then reprioritizing the family. Um, hence the move to Coeur d'Alene. Like we've, I don't know that I've been ever more prayerful of anything. Like where do I raise Christian boys? Like we can't do that in Southern California to the level of thriving. Here comes that passion and that t- intentionality, right? And it was like, 
And then Coeur d'Alene came on the, on the map. Like I couldn't spell it or point it out on a map three I years ago. I still can't. Me either. I struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like the Lord just started working on my heart in such a huge way. And it was like, he's just crumbling me. Wow. Um, and it's like, yeah, just absolutely crumbling me. All right. So do the best you can to use human words to exp- to explain what a drop of heaven is like in a prayer experience. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a neat way to speak yes. of a mystical prayer experience. It, the only way I could explain it is like it transcends time. Like everything that's earthly doesn't matter. And all you want to do is run into the arms of Christ. Um, my, my wife refers to it, you know, I become a weeper. Like, I don't know if it's the gift of tears, but like when he shows up, I melt. Like it just absolutely crushes me. Um, and I'm just undone. It, it happens in adoration. It's happened at a Protestant um, prophetic, you know, like I was the only Catholic in this Protestant group. And then it yeah. was like, the most resistant guy is now just undone, snotting, crying, like <laughs> undone, like, Lord, what do you want of me? So yeah, it's just, it transcends time and it just creates in you a desire for more. And it's like such a gift. And I need to ensure that I'm not seeking the gift instead of the giver. I know that's super cliche, but it's like, wow, when you get that touch, it's like, Lord, why? And then you want more and he wants more of me. And I, he, he knows that like, if he gives me these little things, I'm going to run after him harder. Yeah. You know? Amen. Amen. That's amazing. In those experiences, how would you describe the Holy Spirit's activity in your life? Oh my gosh. Like, I think we as Catholics and Christians have grossly underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, look at Pentecost, right? That's a good understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, when did, we for, when did we forget, like, here were all these followers of Christ that were hiding while he was being crucified, and then they go and change the face of the world. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, yeah. because of the descent of the Holy Spirit. Like... I, I sometimes don't feel like I have a place because it's very Holy Spirit-led. And as we've moved up to Coeur d'Alene, we have kind of a saying that's like moving in the Spirit. It's like what He wants. And now as we're welcoming the Holy Spirit into our life to lead and guide us, I'm almost audibly hearing the Lord's voice, like specifically. Um, and it's been incredible. Like I've always sought the things of the world where I'm leading, I'm doing thing. And now it's like, I want to be in second place. I want to be behind Him and I want to be behind others. Like it's so incredible. Like this, this group in Coeur d'Alene, there's, I've never been around such a thriving Catholic community with incredible, incredible competence and humility. It's like, and serving from a place of just offering it to others and offering it to the community. It's absolutely inspiring and contagious. And all I would do is want more of it and crank more of that. Yeah. Jeez. Well, yeah. Praise I'm, the Lord. I'm ready to move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. awesome. Yeah. So, and then that's kind of how you, you guys became friends, right? In Coeur d'Alene. Yes. And so yes. Thomas, why don't you share your story uh, as well, how you came to an encounter. So you're, you're both like kind of uh, like Titans in the business world, right? <laughs> really successful in business. And um, and yet both of your hearts have been invaded by the love of the Holy Spirit and the love of God. What, what is, I you... hope that eventually they tell us or they speak about us as Titans of the faith, nice. mm. Titans of the business yes. world or Titans in the kingdom. Right. Because I feel like that's really what matters. Mm. I'm going to speak to, um, maybe those who are thinking about the missionary life or even those parents who are trying to, uh, speak towards vocations and their children, right? Every child is created with a vocation. And so, um, I was raised in Chicago right? Uh, my parents survived, you know, extreme alcoholism in their, their immediate families, and then a death of a father, very young. And um, I'm, I'm one of eight. But uh, my, my parents were always very consistent throughout my life in talking about this vision of to be a family of saints, right? And so you see like the trajectory of my life, it's kind of, it's very complimentary to the testimony that Jeff just gave, because 
um, setting that kind of as the goal was really helpful for all of us to grasp a vision, right? And then also what matters in life, right? So my father was an entrepreneur. He worked in healthcare. He built his own business. And my mother supported him. And we were involved with several lay ecclesiastical music uh, movements, the Charismatic Renewal for a time, the Regan Christie, the Legionaries of Christ. And, and through all of it, uh, we come to this point of, you know, deep love for the kingdom of Christ, right? And that, and then also doing something about it, which sometimes we also forget as Catholics, right? What do we do? So um, when you encourage your kids to seek after Christ, right? And you set that as the highest good, right? It is always never un outdone in generosity. And God hears that. He hears that desire and he honors it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, where I've taken it in my life is tried to apply Catholic social doctrine. So my first retreat, my first summer camp like this, it was nothing to this level, by the way, <laughs> uh, was when I was 14, or sorry, 10. 10, I went on my first retreat. And then the story of my life and my relationship with Christ is kind of a little bit like a song of songs, right? Of where mm -hmm. it wasn't so much of a, um, of a one single moment, but more like the Holy Spirit constantly wooing me back to right? Constantly finding only fulfillment in him, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then doing something about it because, you know, what really matters? Getting to heaven, right? What matters is eternity, yeah, right? Really, that's what it comes. And then, you know, we're going to ask, God's going to ask that question when we get to heaven. How did you love me? And how did you love my presence and others, right? Yeah. And so how do we do that as, as, you know, sons of God, sons of the Father, right? As fathers, right? As fathers of children, as husbands of wives, et cetera, and then uh, apostles in the world, right? Because yeah. that's really, that that's what makes the huge difference, right? Amen. And you were, so you you had this profound kind of upbringing with a family of faith, which is beautiful, yes. and then you ended up as, you were a missionary after high school, correct? So I did do some missionary life. Yeah, actually, I was, I, um, I went to a minor seminary for my senior year of high school, which was amazing, right? Uh, my wife also was formerly in the religious life, right? And we will, we stand as a testimony to the value and the beauty of entertaining that. You know, every child is created with a vocation, a particular call upon them, right? And we're learning more, even in these last couple of years, and in, in the new developments of the church, things like Damascus or Encounter Ministries, where we want to actually study and understand how the Holy Spirit specifically crafted each unique soul. And as, as members of the church, people who are really faithful to Christ, understanding what are those giftings and how do we empower them, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited going through all of these things to, to apply them to my children so I can help them to understand, right? A vocation is an imprint upon that individual soul to raise up some great work of God, right? And whether that great work of God is something that's simple and small or something that's large like Damascus, it's something that's imprinted on them from the beginning of time. And so our call as parents is just to help them reveal that, right? So, um, yeah, we love the missionary life, yeah. right? And and putting Christ first is like, again, never outdone. So, Thomas, to me, you seem like someone who's been in the Lord for a long time and you've been burning for a long time, right? Like <laughs> yeah. there's, there's those who kind of, the shooting stars that like burn for a little bit and then phase out. But like you've had like a 20 plus year like burn in love and it just continues to grow what what do you think the cause of that is? Like, how do you sustain that fervor? If you're speaking to the person who's burnt out and tired, they've tried and they've failed, or they're just like that the, their spiritual life isn't growing. Like, you're just like blazed with the fire of God's love. Like, what is that? Gosh, 
that's a very pregnant question right now because um, right now I'm actually in the midst of transitioning out of the um, the private equity group that I founded in order to fund Catholic uh, businesses and Catholic missionaries, right? So it feels we a little talk bit about like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't know that. This is good to know. Yeah. <laughs> when I was growing up, my parents were very involved in parish life. And one of the things that they did amongst like our CIA, et cetera, is that they actually helped found an adoration chapel at our parish, mm -hmm. right? They helped build it. They helped staff it. They helped uh, bring everybody, you know, get the parish on board with it, right? Which parish politics, you know, can be, yeah, somewhat tricky. Uh, but we, we had adoration hours, which were signed up in the middle of the night and we had freedom to go with our parents and sometimes you know we obviously didn't right for me personally adoration has been um a unique pillar right and we know that through the history of the church right it's um and it's not so much the doing as much as the relationship with christ that gets formed or founded through that right uh so that's probably been really huge pillar for us, right? And one that we practice with our kids, right? So actually since the beginning of my, we have five children, my wife and I, we um, felt the Holy Spirit tell us like start this adoration. So we have a weekly holy hour with our kids, right? And you know, kids, right? <laughs> they sit calm the entire time. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. perfect little angels, yeah, right? Absolutely. I think I've spent more holy hours like in the back trying to like pick, like show my little kids like, oh no, that's Jesus dying on the cross. Like with the little <laughs> stations, like what on earth can I point to in this church that will get him interested or get them interested? Right. And I, I think, um, I hope that that's planting seeds, sowing seeds into their life, right? Seeds that are going to come just like the seeds of Damascus that will, you know, someday bring, the Holy Spirit will bring to fruition in them in a way that I can't even comprehend or understand, right? Um, but that has been there, right? But it's also been a pillar amidst all of the swaying of the world, right? Yeah. And all of the swaying of profession and, you know, our desires, right? It's, so one of the interesting things, Thomas, when I met you was I noticed that you you just spoke of the Holy Spirit a lot. And you're like, wait, one of the questions, uh, you were like, what do you think the Holy Spirit wants us to do right now? And I was like, oh, well, it's as if you know him as a person, right? And, 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 a lot and he of times, does. Yeah. And a lot of times Catholics, they don't have a, they, they may have a personal relationship with Jesus, yes. but they don't have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. And so what fostered that relationality, that, that, that love and... Um, almost intimacy that you have with the Holy Spirit to be guided daily by him? Oh, that's another really good, good question. Huh? I'm just, I'm giving you with the zingers. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for the pregnant pause. Which is terrible on radio. I right? know, right? <laughs> I know. We're told never we're thinking, to do that. No, There's no contemplatives allowed on radio. We're thinking. Yeah. Uh, no softballs here. Yeah. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's amazing. Right. The Holy Spirit is amazing. Obviously, you know, we have the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit from our baptism and we also have it like animated even further in confirmation. What a gift we have in our faith, you know, and, and we've actually been to also Protestant conferences before where they have kind of their first experience of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, it was I think it was probably through the through my parents you know, they used to come back with stories of like people being slain in the spirit and falling over in the pews, laughing with the gift of laughter. And I would think like, this is like crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I really want to see this. Right. Except, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then I think, um, you know, you, I think you just fall in love with how the Holy spirit moves 
and you see and you ask like Christ and you know the the our divine uh friends if you will our lady or the holy spirit right they're always present but they're present in various times in particular ways right i think you know i loved john paul i still love him as a as a man who moved in the spirit yeah he was a man for our times and then some of the saints also that we just continue to see raising up and i think you know i used to go back i still go back to some of his words right like you've quoted him in the hall etc um I think that that is there. And, you know, we have to develop those gifts, mm-hmm. right, of the Holy Spirit. We all want to live in Pentecost, like Jeff said, right? And I think that we can, right? Yeah. But we have to cultivate the ability to hear him, yeah. right? And there is a human side of it, right? It was Peter and Paul, right? Mm. Paul was effective because he was advanced in his, you know, pharisaical degree, right? He knew everything about religion. He's basically like a doctor, PhD, in religion, right? And then the Holy Spirit kind of crushes him and says, wait, hold on, you got this all wrong, but let me take all these giftings that you've learned all about, and now I'm just gonna infuse them, right? So that's why we see the beauty of the church, right? On fire, I think. But you also have Peter, who didn't have any education, and that's the Holy Spirit moves. So I I don't know, I guess, did that answer your question? Yeah, I love that. No, I think, (laughs) I I get the sense what God's doing in, in our listeners' hearts right now is that there's something stirring in them, and I think there's some people who are like, wow, I really want that fire. And yeah. Uh, and and you're talking about oh well, I went to this conference and I went to this conference. And I think uh, I just want to affirm that um, the it, it's not the conference that's the vehicle of the outpouring yeah. of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's the vehicle of the yes. whole outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that it happened in an upper room, and it can happen in your own bedroom. Where I've heard stories of people listening to Beyond Damascus or listening to uh, uh, other like talks on YouTube where just in their own bedroom or in their kitchen. You know, we had a, a, a woman testifying. She was doing the dishes, and as she was listening to our show, she cried out, Jesus, I want that. And the Holy Spirit fell upon her, and she fell to her knees uh, in, in her in her kitchen and just started to weep and weep as the Holy Spirit came yes. upon her. And so yes. if you're listening you're hungry, you don't need to go to a conference. You don't yes. need a secret Amen. sauce. The Holy Spirit's a secret sauce. And just say, Jesus, I want more. Holy yes. Spirit, I want more. And let him come into your life. Aaron, what are you thinking right now? Yeah, I, I was I was asking myself that same question as you were answering. And I think a lot of times, you know, it's it's proximity to a person that actually mm. generates friendship mm-hmm. and yes. consistency mm. in relationship. Yes. You know, it's, it's the people that I spend time with that I work side by side with who I ultimately develop friendship with, whether I yeah. wanted to or not. Yes. And, uh, and I think, you know, as you were, as you were speaking about your parents from an early age, bringing you into that place of relationship, I think that, that that can really be a key. Yes. That as 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 parents ourselves, mm-hmm. that that we need to be asking ourselves, okay, am I am I actually bringing my kids into a place of presence where they're encountering him? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Friendship with him comes from being exposure with yes. others, yeah. <laughs> showing yes. up. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know what? Yeah. And I, and I think to your point too, Dan. Like I think it's important to say like. I haven't arrived in the Holy Spirit and the move. I have a desire and a hunger, but I could. It resonates being here on campus with awkward twelve-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like in my formation with the Holy Spirit, I'm at that awkward stage. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have more questions than I have answers. Uh-huh. Like it's moving it and desiring it in a way that we don't know what the outcome is or what, if there's a process and all that kind of stuff. All that the stuff of the flesh. So just showing up and desiring it is part of it, and then just submitting to His will. Yeah. Like yeah. that's such a beautiful thought. Yeah, I think just uh, it's so funny because I listen to these testimonies from the campers. Uh, every Friday we have camper testimonies, 
and they have insane visions like this like they'll, they'll talk about like and the blessed mother like appeared and like they they or jesus yeah, was there it, like they have legit like mystical experiences yeah. these, almost embarrassing these actual yeah. visions yeah, yeah. And how, do we, how do we get I'm, back yeah i'm like what the heck like yes. why does he get it and i don't and it's right. just because that childlike faith yes they they're, yes. they're like they're Amen. just like oh yeah of course jesus showed up and they don't question it and they're yes. just like and, and there are like oh i saw angels descending in the room and, I, and like the skeptic and us adults were like that didn't actually happen <laughs> yeah. like yeah. that wasn't a real angel appearing in the room yeah. like why is it that we go to skepticism yeah. as yes. opposed to like yes. naturally yes you have eyes of faith you're going to see totally. yeah and jeff said earlier that a lot of a lot of our experience is unlearning what we the, the yes. bad practice that we've fallen yes. into and i think so many times we yeah we we can be raised in a in an atmosphere of skepticism yes i i was uh i was at a conference about parenting parenting in the in the holy spirit a few years ago one of the speakers made a made a statement that i thought was so profound that as uh as adults when our kids experience like spiritual phenomena or experience um emotional things we tend to from an early age actually begin to downplay those and tell them yes. to silence them mm. yes so i had a bad dream okay yes. well ignore it and go back to bed yeah. right or I'm scared. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't need to be scared. That's silly. Yeah. Instead of instead of actually engaging in a process of what are you yeah. sensing right now? Yeah. Or, you know, how can how can we enter into a place where where like what does Jesus want to say about that? Mm. Yes. Yep. You know, that so that's a discipline that we've tried to get into. Yeah. That when when our kids, you know, I feel scared, or mm -hmm. uh, you know, our our youngest daughters, um, we tried to really allow them and invite them into into expressing, you know. I see an angel or yeah. I see something scary. Okay, tell me like tell yes. me, what do you see? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so what glad you, that you went you, there. What totally. do you see and 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 you know if it doesn't make you scared, okay, well let's let's invite the Holy Spirit in and ask him yeah. how he wants to yes. how he wants to lead us through this. Yes. God is really simple, right? And one of the things that on the dreaming side what yeah. we've also been learning is is you know through the scriptures God actually moves his people through dreams, right? Let's talk about St. Joseph. We don't have a word from him in the Holy Scriptures, but he was moved constantly through his dreams, right? God speaks to him. And we've actually been studying ourselves how to understand and interpret those dreams because God actually does speak to them in simplicity, right? And we as men or we like, like you said, we want to analyze, well, okay, does this meet the requirements of a actual operation of, <laughs> that the church can bless or whatever? And that's not really what the Holy Spirit does, right? Yeah. He didn't say, Joseph, go take this to the Pharisees now and just, you know, make <laughs> sure this is the Spirit it. moving, right? He just is like, oh, okay, let's go in the middle of the night because it was so evident right? Yeah. I think God is simple that way. The Holy Spirit is simple. That little voice that you hear in your head, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. I love that. Well, one of the things that we, that we teach here at Damascus is, you know, um, it's, if, if I were running a, a telecommunications business, right, I would, I would have a, a line item in my budget for taking care of the lines, right? Yes. For, for maintaining my satellite dishes. Yes. You know, one of the, so I think one of the, one of the challenges that we have is, all right, I, I'm supposed to exist in a place where I expect myself to have conversation or or relationship with yes. a supernatural being. Yes. Like I've I've got to intentionally focus time on stewarding my supernatural radar. Like yes. Yes. I, that. So this I don't <laughs> yes. know. This this may this may sound fake, right? Um yeah. or may sound may sound forced, but I need to go through exercise where I can practice my imagination yes. so that it might be ready. When the yes. Lord speaks through that primary tool, 100%. right? Yes. 
Yes. Uh, we, we talk about it in songwriting a lot that, you know, as, as we're writing worship songs through Damascus worship, there's a, there's an exercise called, um, oh my gosh, uh, um, writing something writing. Joseph, correct me. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what we do is, um, is we will, we will pick a topic, any topic, secular, spiritual, whatever, and just write for 10 minutes, uh, and, or, you know, 10, five, 10 minutes. And, and what we're doing is practicing the process yes. of yes. allowing our emotions and our experience to be translated to the page. Yes. That's amazing. Right. And what it does is it, it's not, it's not forcing anything, but it's, it's just, it's opening up a channel that I don't free, yes. that I don't frequently yes. exercise yes. Mm-hmm. to the point where then when I step into a place of worship, yes. uh, I've, I've got access to my emotion. Yeah. Well, like Jeff, you're talking about how it's, it's almost as if the Lord is speaking to you and leading you in an audible way. And it's like, it, it, we almost say that as if like, that's like, like as if we're nervous to say that because it seems like that's abnormal, but it's like, no, but that is, that is the way <laughs> Christianity the is supposed to <laughs> yeah. be. Yeah. yeah. You so, know, and you know what I've been struggling with lately is like, you'll get these promptings from the Lord and you're like, oh, cool. I got this in prayer. And then you take over and you're like, I got this Lord instead of submitting step by step. And then it gets yeah. muddy mm-hmm. and messy. And then. An opportunity for growth too, for introspection to say, "Wow, I was brought this, and then I just took this thing over." You know, but when you guys were when you guys were talking about like the Holy Spirit, the move of the Spirit, and letting room for that in your household, like being aware of that in our children yes. at a very young age, like my son, my youngest son, like literally removed himself from public school and inserted himself in a Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, "Son, like he brought this up at the dinner table," and I said, "Well, that's something we'll pray about." He says. Dad, why do you need to pray about it? I want to go to a crash, uh, a Christian Catholic school. <laughs> Two weeks later, mid-year, he was enrolled in the Catholic school. Yeah. Like, and his faith is flourishing. But it was like, but then unpacking that with your son, at, you know, when you're tucking him in, like, son, that spiritual wisdom and yep. what the Holy Spirit is imparting you at such a young age is a gift, son. Like, mm. it's beautiful. It's like, it's so encompassing. And it's like, I feel like a lot of times we put things in boxes. It's like, oh, it's for this person or that person. But gosh, when we're aware of it, we invite it into our home. It's evident everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're attuned to it, like yeah. that exercise of like, hey, are we attuned to it? Are we allowing room for it? Are we allowing ourselves to actually be kind of weird or outside of yes. our faith and letting the Lord work in ways that are maybe a little bit more dynamic yeah. Um, yeah. than they have in the past, mm. like a full surrender? I love that. One of the things I I think we're kind of talking about like friendship with the Holy Spirit. And Mm -hmm. I was just like uh, almost in a sense, like I didn't know Thomas. I didn't know you two days ago. Right. But I I knew you, Jeff, and you brought Thomas here. And now there's friendship between Mm -hmm. us because of this friendship between Jeff and I led to a new friendship. And I think that if I, if I have friendship with the Holy Spirit, but I leave him at home and I don't bring him into the business world or I leave him at home and I don't welcome him in, into my relationship with my children, then that we never discover that, uh, that friendship with the, like, it's so easy to pass off a friend, right? Like I just bring my friend with me everywhere I go. And when I bring my friend with me, my other friends encounter that, that friend. And, And then, and then we have a community together and that's kind of, why don't we talk about those two, those two elements? I think cause that, the community of friendship you guys have in Coeur d'Alene, and then also the way you bring the friendship of the Holy Spirit into your business, right? Because I think those are two interesting ways of friendship is actually manifesting itself significantly in your life. And so I, I like to say to our missionaries, you know, if you're going back to college and you don't have community, you have two options. You either go back to college and you 
perform it, mm -hmm. or you go back and you find it. And sometimes mm -hmm. finding it means choosing a different college and, <laughs> uh, or, or doing something different. And you almost have both of them with you guys. Like, so in a sense, you were in Southern Cal and you're like, I don't have friendship here and I can't raise my children here. I'm going to leave and find friendship elsewhere. And then Thomas, I actually don't know this, but my guess is you've been one who's in Coeur d'Alene pretty strategically forming brotherhood and friendship <laughs> amongst the family members there, right? So you have the finder and the former. And then, uh, so maybe you could speak to your guys' experience on the friendship, the brotherhood that you've ex found in Coeur d'Alene and where it came from. For the record, actually, the opposite is true. Jeff was the one that was called first. So we've, nice. Jeff and I have only known ourselves for, known each other for eight, nine months. We, mm. we moved to Coeur d'Alene from uh, Los Angeles, right? Okay. And, um, and so the experience, though, has been the movement of the spirit. Though, wow. Right. You know, and it's so hard to do life when when it's not authentic and like you hit the secular ceilings. Right. So you're like, if you're sewing into a brotherhood and there's only an appetite to go so far, like if you're an all in type seeker of the Lord, like you need others. And that's hard to find anywhere. I don't care what denomination or sect of Christianity. It's hard to find. Um, and the Lord ordains it, I think. I think he rewards hunger. A buddy of mine told me that. It's like, the Lord always rewards hunger. And with that hunger, like, he's brought this group of, of men and women and couples and families, and they're showing a, an immense beauty in this, um, and it transcends time. Yeah. So crazy. Like, um, the Halftime Institute was talking about, like, the brotherhood that is formed in serving Christ is like no other. And I was like, that sounds good, but I haven't experienced that. Like, I want that, but how do you get that? Mm. And then now in Coeur d'Alene, it's, it's odd. Like, like Thomas, I think we've, we've known each other for less than six months, but there's this spiritual brotherhood and this depth and authenticity. Like, we don't crave those things of, like, secular. We could go do the things, but it's rooted in the things that are most meaningful. Mm -hmm. And now when families come together, um, and we could, you know, we could grow in our faith together, and it just happens organically because... The Holy Spirit's ordaining it. Like how I met him was infused through my sister that we will be in communion together and we will be serving one another. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like, yeah. sounds weird to say, but uh, it's not weird. It should be our normal. Yeah. Well. And I would tell your missionaries, like, again, remember all that is good is from our Father who is good, who is like good beyond imagining, right? So the desire for community is a is a holy desire, right? And yeah. so if it's a holy desire, it's planted there by God. And God, our Father, desires to fulfill it yeah. as well. So when you ask, going back to the dependency on the Holy Spirit, you then ask, okay, well, then where and how? Like you said, very practical because, of course, we have to live in the world, right? Yeah. But, like, he wants to fulfill your desire for community. Yeah. He wants to fulfill every desire, right, for fulfillment and flourishing because he's a loving God. That's what Jesus tells us, right, when he explains the Father to us. And so put it back on him. Well, then show me how. And let help me to move in you, so that I find that one person. Because the story of us meeting uh, Jeff's sister is exactly that. We were in adoration, praying as a family. I was in the back, of course, holding my <laughs> two-year-old, who's just like a cruise. His name is Cruz, and he's a bruiser, right? <laughs> we named him for the Triumph of the Cross, and I'm just trying my best to manage yeah. him. And, and if you um, name someone after the Triumph of the Cross, you've ju you've done it to yourself. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Kind of His name that, is right? Cruz, and yeah, honor yeah, of Jesus' right? victory over right. death. Right. Exactly. That's oh. exactly right. And that's a prophetic word, I think. Uh, and you know. My my wife is in front, and she's actually gotten a chance to pray because, you know, as husbands, you get more chances sometimes than your wives do, right? And so I'm just trying to let facilitate that. And this woman is sitting in, in back of her, I think, actually. And she hears the Holy Spirit say, 
uh, this woman in back of you, you need to go talk to her. You're going to be really good friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm not going to do anything about this. This is, you know, whatever. We're learning about moving in on those Holy Spirit prompts. Right. And this woman gets up and walks out of the church, kneels before Christ in adoration and then walks out of the church. And she stops in the vestibule to look at some of the lighthouse Catholic media. She's actually one of the speakers on lighthouse Catholic media. She's like, I don't know why I actually stopped. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And my wife, she doesn't ever do this either. She leaves the rest of our kids. She feels prompted to jump up and go pursue this, (laughs) this woman, right. Who she then encounters outside waiting randomly and says, I think you have a word for me. The Holy spirit said, we're supposed to talk. And she says, Actually, he told me to talk to, but I didn't want to. I wasn't sure that I should actually go about pursuing this. And lo and behold, there's this like Holy Spirit connection. That Holy Spirit stuff is real, yeah. right? And he works and he wants to work even more in all of our lives, right? We just have to ask for the grace to see it and to follow it. And if you don't, that's also okay because he's taking everything that you do and working for better, right? Yep. So then ask him for another chance, right? Because we've all had those moments where we've had the prompting and we don't follow, right? Yeah. And he's like, that's okay. I got this, right? I'm, I'm a good father, right? Mm. And then he gives you another chance, right? Yeah. So that, I love right? that. That's so rich. Yeah. The, can you guys share for like, I'm I'm just, so Aaron and I, we kind of cheat in the sense of like, we show up to work on Monday and we have like an hour of worship with all of our missionary body. Like, <laughs> Which our, is amazing. Yeah, that's intelligent. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By we design, have, nothing here is by accident. Yeah, we have a built in like community yeah. here uh, in our everyday lives. It takes a, more intentionality on your guys' part to have that in your everyday life. How do you, as Catholic laymen, foster that friendship and community amongst brothers, amongst your your spouses, and your families in Coeur d'Alene? Patiently, um, mm-hmm. which is not a strong suit of mine. I don't know if I'll ever be a patient man, but... Intensity I, and patience yeah, don't right, usually yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. opposing. Yeah. Um, I would say it was so awesome that the Lord brought in our community a project to come around that, he, that the Holy Spirit prompted. Um, because he brought us around to do something in him, um, and then relationships formed around that as the Holy Spirit was guiding us. And it was so incredible. Like the Lord, I just feel like it was divine intervention that he filled this table with competence to be like, Jeff, you're not needed. I just want you to know that. Um, but like, pay but you're att- chosen. Yes. But, <laughs> you're, yes. but you're not needed. Well, so yes. yes. But pay attention. Like pay attention who is serving and how they're serving and what their personal circumstances yeah. are. You know, and it was it was convicting in a way to say, here I am showing up to serve from abundance um, when there's a lot that's showing up to actually be servants. And it was like, wow, what what honor is giving in abundance? Yep. And it was like this community, it just formed, but it was so awesome that it formed around an area that I've been resistant. Like the Lord in my past years has worked in my, my radical yes to him and seeking him. And yes, Lord, tell me what you wanted me and I'll do it. It's like, no, like you don't even know what I'm doing in your life. How, son, how could you, how could you say you're ready? Like mm. how egotistical, but now it's like the areas that I am resistant in my faith or resistant or ignorant in my understanding, he's opening these doors. Like, wow. you know, people always try to profile, like, where is your area of giving? Like in the philanthropy world, right? And it's never been education. It's never been classical education. And now there's a classical high school. It's like, Lord, we, we weren't looking for that building. And then it was delivered to us. We weren't looking to start a high school and then it was delivered. It's like, yeah wow, maybe I just need to let go and see what he wants, not what I want, or my perception of his will over my life, right? Yeah, that's such a good word. Aaron and I talk a lot about this idea that authentic brotherhood and friendship often comes from 
serving mm. together, right? Yeah. The, the, okay. the, the band of brothers in the military, yes. they have such a strong brotherhood because they're not looking just at the friendship. They're actually looking at the mission, and the mission is what forms friendship. And so just to kind of fill people in, so it sounds like you guys came together on the mission to build a school, yes. and and that mission fostered deeper friendships. Yeah. yeah, and it was crazy, too. Like, So we formed essentially a steering committee. It wasn't a formal board, but it was a founding steering committee, if you will. And um, I actually just resigned because there, there was three primary reasons, and I won't get into all those details. But as I was typing the, e the email, I was yep. weeping. I was like, I'm going to miss that. Like, I know it's time. I know it's divine time to step away from one aspect. But what I was, what I was mourning was the community wrapped in service. But I didn't want to stay there and over-assert because I knew it was time to be done with that component or that aspect. And it was like, Lord, you brought this one I like wasn't actively seeking it. So I trust that that will come again in another dimension. Like wow. this is a stepping stone to others and I will, I'll be there for you, Lord. Like, but now it's like, I'm going to mourn that we don't get to come around this until midnight, like doing the things. Yeah. Like, serving. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, what have you seen? How have you seen friendship kind of fostered through mission? I just, you know, when we were, when we were talk, talking about like the founding of, of our missionary program, this was a, a question that we constantly asked ourselves, you know, do we, do we do we become a program that that forms missionaries for the sake of them doing work, mm -hmm. or we or do we become a an organization that that does work for the sake of forming a people? Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a critical question for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and ultimately the answer is always both, right? Yes. But but for us, uh, we we really did feel a prompting that that we need to orient ourselves actually toward the mission. Mm -hmm. And and see the community come as a fruit of that. Yes. Now now, I mean, most of my job at this point is is focused on engaging in the yeah. community that's come as a fruit of that. Yeah. But but as an organization, like that's I think I think that's a that's an important I don't know it's an important step to 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 recognize. And uh, like Dan like Dan mentioned, I think I've seen that powerfully in my life. I mean, our our friendship's a testament to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the two of us would have necessarily run into each other if we if we hadn't been mm -hmm. been convicted toward mission in the way that we are, and it allows a lot of the stuff about about desire and preference to get out of the way. Yeah, mm. yeah. Desire and you preference. Know, yep. Yeah. I, I don't I don't necessarily <laughs> yes. like you or or want to yeah. do stuff with you. Well, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That that never really mattered because right. this is the body of Christ, not yes. the country club, right? Yes. Yeah. And when you're on the battlefield, the person next to you is the most important person because they're <laughs> yes. the one who keeps you alive, and they're yes. the one who you are called to keep alive. Yeah. And so you're you're moving together. And yeah, the preference, like, well, the way he bites his nails drives me nuts. Like, who cares? You're on the battlefield, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> like right. that that doesn't right. matter. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the things internally, even I mean. We've we've made choices. It's funny we're sitting in a studio filled with some of our missionaries, but like we we make intentional choices in the way that we operate, so that we don't fall out of that understanding mm -hmm. that that really this is about this is about mission, right? Yes. I mean one of the one of the core components you were talking about, or you were talking about um, uh, supporting um, Catholic organizations, right? One of the core components of our missionary program is that all of our people support raise. Yes. Right. Which is amazing. And and. Would we? Do we have to do that uh, as a business? Not necessarily. Yeah. I think we could probably pull it off where yes. we bring in some millionaires to yes. to support our missionaries. I think yes. I think that would be a good thing. But no, like that's part of part of a missionary. Yes, is is saying yes to 
hard work for the sake mm-hmm. of mission yes. so that I can realize like I, there's a part of me that has to die yes. in order that I might be able to give myself in a relationship. Right. right. Yep. How you guys have surrendered and also buckled it with your intentionality here at Damascus. I mean, at drop off, we were absolutely floored. Yeah. Like yeah. it's incredible. Like nothing here is by accident. So there's always that like concern, like, are we over asserting and is it our will? Is it my talent? But like, when you step foot on this campus, it is evident everywhere that mission has been developed. Everything is intentional. It's incredible. Like that's hard to find and you guys have done Mm. it well. Like I'm very early in seeking out the Lord's mission over my life. And this Mm. here today, this week is tangible evidence Mm. that God could do big and good together. Like this is incredible. Like I don't know a better place to send your children Mm. or your money for what you guys are doing mm. here. It's absolutely inspiring. Well, Amen. thanks so much, Jeff. Well, I love how you say the um, big and what'd you say? Big, big and good. Big and good, yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes we we, th- we 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 have this small-mindedness in the church because we're afraid and we think, well, humility yes. means that I don't, I, don't want, I don't aspire for greatness, but humility has to be balanced with magnanimity, right? Yes. That I desire greatness and that's a virtue. And I don't desire greatness for the, so that I could be great. I, I desire greatness because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords desires every tongue to confess him as Lord. And so because of that, there's something great that comes out. And I think a lot of times when, when, when the if you will, you strive for greatness in your own personal life. Like these high schoolers, you see like, oh, I was was striving to be this great high school athlete. And then they give their lives to the Lord. They struggle with that time of, well, shoot, striving for greatness is is egocentric and bad. And it's like, no, wait, actually these two can go hand in hand. But but I think a key distinction, Dan, is how you did, how you, how you gentlemen did this. Like, Mm -hmm. so you guys were desiring big, but what we see is the outcome of big and good. But what we didn't see is the formative process that got you here. Oh, we got our butts kicked. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? But that's the point. Like we so always want the end, like we want yeah. the end result, but like yes. we don't want the process. Yeah. Like you yeah. guys, yes. like the conviction, like how the resolve it took and the dependence on Christ to get here. Yeah. Like, I want to make sure when I leave here, I don't miss that. Like okay, like, yeah, the outcome's cool and it's good and it's just and it's right, but what about the formative paths to get there? Yeah, I think we miss that a ton as men, like yes. looking for outcome-based stuff instead of like, I've got to suffer through this. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I got to rely on you through this. There's right. a powerful uh, Protestant preacher, Christine Kane, and she talks about, she was preaching to, um, I think, mu- like up-and-coming musicians, and she's like, you all want to be discovered, but do you want to be developed? And mm-hmm. she talked about the process of being mm-hmm. developed before you're ever discovered. And that I think sometimes if you are a prophet and you see what God uh, has for your ministry, you, you do, or what God has for your life, you see it. And that may be a 20 year promise or the dream yes. comes and you yes. see that 20 year promise, but there's the Lord's like, I need you to, I need you to be developed before yes. you're ever discovered. And that's yes. really hard. It takes that patience to say, okay, like I'm going to go through the grind, and Lord, you're going to, um, you're going to allow the doors to be opened when it's time, and it, it's a it's a painful long process. Yeah. We can't shortcut God, right? No. Like, <laughs> um, He's always on time, and He's never late. Yeah. Like, yes. You know. Amen. Yeah. Why? What? Why did Abraham have to wait until he was, you know, ninety plus years old, and Sarah was barren in yeah. order to have Isaac? Right. This was a promise that was offered him. Can you imagine? Just like. Again, we were so in, engaged in our time and, and our American need for immediate gratification, right? That we like, God's like, let me just chuckle. 
and laugh a little bit and just, you know, he's not stringing us along, but mm. what was the process of growth that Abraham had to go through in order to get to the point of being ready? Yeah. And he right? screwed up, right? He, he cause he's like, <laughs> yeah, Hey, yeah, Hagar, right. let's go have a yeah, baby. Yeah, right. and like, totally. and he like, he's he like, Oh, let patient. me apply my own solution. Right. Yeah. And he, God's like, no, this is not what I want. I actually want a son from your yeah. own line. Right. Yeah. And I love that he, even though he screwed up pretty significantly. Yeah. Right. And, uh, God still loved him and he still chose him. So it's not like your one screw up doesn't eliminate you from God's plan over your life. And so if there was that screw up, right. And you're like, man, now that promise that God had for me is eliminated. No, that's not true. And so, but there was a a, a new test after God fulfilled the promise. Okay. Now lay Isaac on the altar. Right. And like, and it's almost like it would be crazy if like, you know, we, we have Damascus now. We're like, oh, look what we did. We built Damascus. Yes. Like, okay, all of a sudden I'm an arrogant Abraham yes. And, yes. And, and, uh, and I could lose that promise. But it's yes. like, okay, no, I had to put Damascus on the altar. You guys get, you're going to get your school, right? And your school's yes. going to open. And it's going to like all this hard work to get the school up and going. And then all of a sudden it's going to flourish and be successful because you guys are ballers and the Holy Spirit's on it. But as it flourishes, then the Lord's going to say, okay put this on the altar, continue to surrender it to me. Right. Because you didn't actually accomplish this. I accomplished it through you. And, uh, and so, so you guys got the friendship it's, it's being developed through mission. I think that's so beautiful. Um, I I just, in the same way, a personal encounter with Jesus has to bear fruit or that Mm -hmm. personal encounter will die, right? Mm -hmm. A tree that does not bear fruit is cut off. So the personal encounter has to go through mission, the communal encounter, that gift of, as you said, Thomas, the, community is a gift uh, and it's from the Lord, that community also has to bear fruit. So if I have all my holy Catholic friendships and we're doing it just to run away from the world and we're doing it just because it's easy and comfortable uh, and it's bearing no fruit, the Lord's going to cut that off. It's going to, that those relationships themselves are no longer going to be as fruitful for you. And so your, your relationships have to bear fruit. How did you guys bring um, Holy Spirit into your business relationships or your business decisions? Like, that friendship with the Holy Spirit. And you kind of both bragged about each other before the show. You were like, you were sharing just ta- that Jeff, that Thomas is like incredible at bringing the Holy Spirit into business relationships. And um, so how, how did you like as a, in a secular environment, how do you do that, Thomas? He won't say it, but it's and actually I'll... his superpower. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Like I came up critically short oh, shoot, in there my 20th. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. So you, it, well, it is like actually... the intentionality and you can't like, I've been floored to watch this guy. Like he's so rooted in Catholic teaching, so rooted in justice, welcome the Holy Spirit and make tough decisions. Yeah. Like Christians can be tough and we could be well-rooted and there's always justice like an honoring in how he's delivering it's just been incredible to watch and also humbling at the same time to like wow i really missed that the last 20 years <laughs> <laughs> i could have learned from that yeah 100 percent. i've been really blessed to um be surrounded or to maybe even have sought out men and women that are working in the professional world and secular um situations and you know you see kind of the evidence the testimony of their faith right uh, for example, one um, one board that my father was on was completely secular, right? So he would actually walk into this and and in conviction say, "Let's start in prayer." And you know, everyone's like, "Wait, hold on, right?" That's Are not you allowed. This is exactly right. <laughs> well, you want me to be the well, board chair? It's exactly, allowed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> in order to be fearless, right? We actually have to. And do we actually believe it? And this was actually. Um, it was interesting in the founding of the of one of the companies that I was in. I really felt that conviction of okay. You say that you're about me, 
Jesus says to me, right? But are you actually? And so from that point forward, I was like, oh my gosh, I really do need to prioritize my my mm. my adoration as my first meeting of the week, right? And so I do kind of block that out in my schedule, right? Time before Christ. And it's not necessarily to pray about anything except to hear what Christ wants to give me, right? Yeah. And so you can be intentional about bringing in kind of that life of faith. And some of us aren't don't have the luxury of doing it within our normal day-to-day business schedule, right? So that means, yes, at that moment in your professional career, you're being asked to find other ways to bring in Christ, right? To go to Mass before your, your work hours or after your work hours, to find adoration time, your, your kind of acts of piety that are supposed to bring in a rote prayer, right? And the rote prayer, the purpose of that is a relationship with Christ. Can you actually ask the Holy Spirit when you're faced with an HR decision in a secular environment Holy Spirit, what should I do here? Absolutely. Because the Holy Spirit is ever-present. He's omnipresent, right? Everything moves and acts in Him, right? And so that means every decision, every situation you're faced with, He's actually moving for a great good, and He's inviting you to ask Him and invite Him in to lead you. That's good. And Thomas, would you mind just speaking a little? Because this was the first time I had ever heard it as I've been buckled up with this guy. He was you referring to the concept of co-laboring with Christ in everything you do. Yeah. So he's talked about the things that he's doing, right? Like the discipline of it. But then there's this mindset that he carries throughout the week that I've never been exposed to. Hmm. Um, so if you could speak to that, because I know you won't say it on your own, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is very helpful, yeah. Jeff. Because this is key. So the lay church right now, it, yeah. they're being set on fire with the Holy Spirit, and they they want to evangelize the secular world. They don't know how, and we got to. We have to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, and that means we have to equip those who are in the secular workforce with the work of ministry in the secular workforce. What does 100%. it look like to be a marketplace missionary? Hundred place. That's a great question. Um, I the first thing that comes to mind, and it's probably the Holy Spirit, is the words John Paul: "Do not be afraid." Right? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be brave. God mm-hmm. is with you, right? That's that's on his actual CD, right? And I hear it in his voice, and it just comes back to me, right? So do not be afraid, right? To to open wide the doors of the world, the church, of course, but to the world of Christ, yeah. right? And I think that, you know, that's really, it's really important that you cultivate that personal development, that ability to hear from the Holy Spirit that is built off a structure of, you know, a personal prayer life, yeah. right? Because then you, and, and it, I don't have it perfect, right? But it's a constant asking in every situation, the Holy Spirit, what do you want in this moment, right? We are so gifted and so blessed because we know that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit means that he's always present to us, right? Whether we're focused on hearing him is up to us, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And also us co-laboring with him. So asking in every situation, you know, what do you want here, right? And it, it's as simple as, you know, I go to Starbucks. I love working at Starbucks. I know that that, like, that is going to cause ripples in the Catholic world. But I believe that we have to be fearless in going to some of these places because we are instruments of grace. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't walk into those places, how is that that man across that's serving me, that's living an alternative lifestyle, that is so confused and embracing everything the world has thrown at him and the corporation, which is Starbucks, going to experience the love and the personal relationship of Jesus Christ. Well, it's through that encounter. It's almost right? like Jesus eating with the sinner. How do we do that in the modern day? Right. Well, go, go to go Starbucks. To Starbucks. Yeah. Go to Starbucks. Show up. If you want That's to be Jesus, all yeah. the justification. And I'm not saying yeah. that you walk in with a cross in your head like we do on Ash Wednesday and beat it over their head. 
I'm saying that you go in just <laughs> in the presence of the spirit, right? And you ask, okay, what do you want? And sometimes it's as simple as giving just a beautiful smile, mm -hmm. right? Or sometimes you'll be motivated to say, I, you know, I believe in marriage, right? Not that I would do that, right? But, but there are, or the wedding ring. The wedding ring in and of itself is a witness of my sacrament of marriage that somebody needs to see, and it's infused with God's grace, right? Yeah. We have to be fearless in bringing Christ into every single setting that we're in. And actually, and having that mindset, because I, I love, like, I was listening to a, a, a healer one time talk, and he's like, I know that if I enter the hospital, that person's chances of being healed have just elevated, right? right? Because of what I carry. And right. so when I go into Starbucks, when I go into work, whatever, if I'm bringing friendship with the Holy Spirit, yeah. the the chance of a supernatural invasion of God and yes. his kingdom in my yes. workplace is has been elevated because That's I awesome. know what I carry, yes. right? Amen. Jeff, you, I, I want to hear this story Amen. too because you you mentioned in passing that you uh -oh. did a three day water fast when you were <laughs> yeah. selling your business. Yes. I, like yeah. that's a, incredible. So like you're you're going through this major decision in life, and the way you approached that decision was a three day water fast. What what led to that decision, and what was the fruit of that? I don't even feel like I chose it. As awkward as that is to say out loud, like it was just a natural progression. I felt this deep um, calling that the Lord that there was a shift and. Um, I went to a I went to the One Thing conference, and you would think as a Catholic I would grow up as a cradle Catholic. I mean, am a cradle Catholic, so you would think fasting would be a part of my discipline. It's never been. Right? I never felt called. I'd you know do I'd fast, not go to you know Little Caesars and get the crazy bread. Is that really fasting? Yeah. Because I enjoy <laughs> crazy bread more than anything else in my I'm life. Just doing a bread like, fast. Yeah, 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 crazy bread. bread. I'll, do this, I'll do this for thirty days. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I, I had my first like real encounter in fasting and the power of, of fasting at the One Thing conference, and then fast forward maybe a couple months later. Here we're selling the business, and selling the business is a lot more involved, especially when it's well represented, right? As stewards, we we ensured that it's well represented, yeah. so that's it took about a, about a year in terms of a process. So as we're going through the final stages, the Lord called me into a fast. Um, a buddy of mine, a real close spiritual brother of mine, said, um, "Delayed obedience is disobedience," mm. and I really felt this call into a fast, and I never I never experienced hunger either in that three day fast, but it was literally this. I wanted to become a vessel of whatever he had coming because I didn't know. So our employees were out in Arizona and they do a call down. So you get anyone and everyone that's involved in the deal, probably 30, 40 people on this call. And this was the third day into the water fast. My wife's kind of like, shouldn't you be eating? I was like, when the deal's done. <laughs> and this wasn't about an outcome for the first time. Like that process was incredible because I was surrounded with people that were smarter than me, um, that were experts and I could learn. Um, so in this process, I, my wife and I were literally on our hands and knees during the call down. And this wasn't about what was going to hit the account. This was about what the Lord's about to do. And I was sitting there just in awe, like, like what you said a couple of days ago was like, this was not me, like the Lord's hand. You don't sell or upsell private equity. They are sophisticated doers like mm. they get it they're strategic like i am the guy in the fight with the knife they have the guns and when they walk their purchase price up by 50 percent of their their initial offering you know it's not you like, <laughs> like and the lord whoa, needed to make doing something yeah like really like this is incredible and the, and the bold moves that the lord sowed seeds prior to that just took the that just blew the roof off this to be like, hey, to initiate that conversation that it's going to walk up in that direction. So it was literally in humility, just sitting there with the Lord, like, what the heck? Mm. Like, I wanted out because the passion went, and now what are you doing here? And yeah. 
So yeah, it was incredible. Um, you know, there was just this, this attuned point of my life where it's like, okay, Lord, this is, this is a transition to, I don't know what I want more of you. And I don't know how to get there. Um, but I trust yeah. given this outcome, you're going to show me. Wow. And it won't be on my time frame. I could guarantee that. Like, yeah. You know. I feel like it's a testimony to the concept of discern everything, right? When you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, he puts something on your heart and he says, do this now, right? And it, as Catholics, we often fall into this concept of, well, everyone has to do it this certain way, right? Everyone needs to fast like this, and it always needs to look like this. And that's actually kind of not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit imparts on someone like Jeff and says, water fast now, right? And he's like, Okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. And every and our God is so good and so powerful and so particular and individual mm. that He places it upon our hearts in in the specific moment for a specific time to do certain things. And it's not always that profound or obvious in the moment. Like, so yes, the water fast was for me, but like upstream from that, I don't know. We we just got a deal kind of on the hook and. I call my investment banker and I'm like, look, um, it's time for us to cut off our distributor. And he's like, the phone got quiet. And I was like, that's like, you there? He's like, yep. Uh, he's like, you know, they're 90% of your business. I said, yeah, I know. I said, we've been, we've been working diligently on diversification and we knew we would know the time. He says, you know, Jeff, this could probably kill the deal. I said, well, it's right for the business, regardless whether it kills the deal or not, it's right for the business, whoever, irrespective of future ownership, it's the right thing to do at the right time. Um, and it got super awkward and they're like, okay, I hope that you guys could go regain this business that you're literally going to give them 24 hours notice and not supply them product anymore. And, um, that's when the, like the market responded in such a meaningful way and it proved out the model and then just walked everything North. But it was like, that wasn't this crazy encounter that the Lord's like, yeah, like make yeah. this call. It was like, mm -hmm. he spoke in the quiet of my heart. Like I just knew in that business intuition mm -hmm. that the Lord placed there. I didn't know that in the time, but it was like, be actionable. Like awesome. this is yeah. what's right. Just do it. Yes. Yeah. So big deal. So you won't get the outcome then or now. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the concern. It was doing the right thing at the right time. And it might sound harsh to say you're cutting someone off, but it was like five years of, of a lot of good, just things that needed to happen. And now it just happened to be when you could blow the deal, but it didn't blow the deal. It actually made the deal. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. I'm going to turn the ship a little bit. Thank okay. You. So we've got four dads sitting around a table. Why don't we share, um, What's the the one thing you're working most on to form your children today? Like what's on your heart right now and in, in your children's faith formation? And we're gonna close with that. So this is the final thoughts of the the four dads. <laughs> I'll jump in here if you don't mind. Um, like us being here today is actually an answer to that prayer. I, my prayer has been for my boys, ten and twelve, that they will encounter the realness of Jesus early. Why early? Like, I want this to be standard for them and foundational. No matter what life choices they make down the road, they'll know that the Holy Spirit is prompting them that, like, I'm outside of His will, not in a guilt, shame fashion, but, like, in knowing and accepting truth early. So my first prayer is that they will encounter the realness of Christ, not an emotion, but a realness, like, profound to where fruit will come mm -hmm. after. Um, and the second one, which is a little bit of a tension point with my wife currently, is not raising weak children. Like... I, it is just ingrained in me right now, ensuring that it's age appropriate, that my boys learn to choose what they don't want to do and still do it anyway. Like there needs to be an element of grit in life, you know, especially in this world where we're seeing like everything is so polarized and toxic. It's like, we can't have weak children, but that foundation in Christ has to be there because then we're rising up 
secular kids. Mm. Right? So yeah. that's beautiful. I love that. That's sweet. I I uh, I love that second one, and I've actually that's been on my mind even the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm excited maybe to follow up mm. offline to see what you're doing there. Uh, Chopping wood. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that's yes. so fun. A, a concept struck me the other day that like you know when when we ask our kids to engage in some kind of a chore, um, to ask like, okay, would you like to do this the easy way, the intermediate way, or the hard way, mm. and to give them the choice to begin to choose the hard thing, right. I think would be it would be a neat process. Yeah. And self-initiate it, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. responsibility and independence, like and natural consequences or outcomes. That's yeah. like, come on, like you've got to choose hard. Yeah. You've got to choose hard when dad's not putting that in front of you as well. Yeah. That just needs to become a constant. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the the biggest thing that I'm probably working on right now with the kids is, um, you know, growing up in, in, I guess, them growing up in a household, in a missionary place where mom and dad are both working in full-time ministry mm-hmm. to... Uh, to to begin to choose that for themselves, mm-hmm. um, so you know particularly in music that's a that's a a, a gift that the Lord's um, given to me to steward uh, within the context of our ministry. I'm I'm really intentionally inviting my kids into that, uh, not from a place of being forced, but but giving them an opportunity to choose and making myself available yeah. to be present with them. Uh, hot on the heels of a of a worship conference that I attended with our with our um, with our worship department a couple weeks ago and I've just really been convicted about the importance of of having worship and prayer be a be a real intentional focus of the lifestyle of our family. Mm-hmm. I love that. What, you, what about you Thomas? There's that pregnant pause again. Mm-mm. You would think that I had a chance to kind of like <laughs> Uh, you listen a lot. I, I actually, do. one thing I like, yeah. you ask so many questions too. In every relationship, you're just always asking questions. You're a very intentional learner. I love Inquisitive. that. Yeah. Um, so uh, as I alluded to before, um, we're in a moment of kind of deep vulnerability as a family because uh, of the transition from some of the projects that I've built up, right? And then some of the other ones are, I think God wants to really bless and explode. Um and those have been amazing because we've actually, in the midst of them, taught them things like entrepreneurship, like solid business skills. They have a solid work ethic because they've engaged in some of our businesses, et cetera. Um, but I feel really limited as a father who's called to provide for their human needs, right, at the moment. And I see all the things that I would desire for them uh, and and yet can't, right? I, I think you probably understand this, especially in ministry, right? You're You're... Your salary is limiting, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you're like, you know, so I've been really wrestling with that specifically. Um, and I think um, what God keeps coming back to me is uh, is the seeds that he's planting, that he's sowing into them in the midst of this wrestle. I mean, they're seeing me wrestle, right? Mm-hmm. Our kids know us, right? We're in close proximity to them. They understand. They see the struggle. They see me kind of going back to prayer on it. They see me trying to take human activity and so I think, um, you know, I'm just, there's a surrender probably happening. And also, you know, my oldest is 13. I think you guys have a, I don't know how old is your oldest? 14. Okay, right. 15. So, yep. yeah, in child psychology, there's, they're at this point, too, where they're, like, starting to become way more observant of things that are going on around them, right? They're looking for external community at that level, right? They're starting to, like, kind of grow physically into adulthood. And then at the same time, we also have a two-year-old, right? So there's, like, the span. And how do you be father- and be there for every single one of those needs? Well, the answer is God the Father is really the one, right, that is there. And you're just kind of stewarding them 
through this transition, helping them, right, in the midst of all this, to to realize that the world is imperfect, right? That we're we're destined for for God, for for heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And that the you know the hard work and the hard the hard seasons in life are okay, yeah. right? Because who is your anchor in those moments too? Um, I love that. Praise the Lord. Praise That's the Lord. so good. I think, how about you, Dan? Yeah, yeah I know. How about um, you? I think that cleanup. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm working on. Well, I think we talk about how every parent wants their kid to love love the Lord, and mm-hmm. it, it's been on my heart this summer just to teach my kids what that looks like. Like, what does it mean to love? And uh, and Aaron and I've talked a little bit about how to how do you help your kids grow in affection? Um, so affection mm-hmm. is the vehicle. I mean, the you right off the bat. Uh, Jeff, you're talking all about intimacy with the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Like intimacy is something you learn uh, from your parents a lot of times, right? Um, and so helping the my kids understand, okay, how do you have intimacy or affection towards the Lord? And when you go to Mass, what does it look like to be affectionate during Mass? When you're entering into praise and worship or not entering into praise yeah. and worship, what does it look like to be affectionate? When you go into the Adoration Chapel, how do you enter into prayer that's affectionate? And mm-hmm. And so, like, when we're doing our nighttime prayer, you know, like, just taking that extra time as a family to to quiet our hearts and to, uh, you know, like, be intentional on in asking the kids, like, m- like, before you pray Thanksgiving, ask, like, actually let the Lord, like, s- like develop in your heart love and, and, and gratitude so you experience it in your heart, right? Yeah. Because it's very easy to go around the circle and say what you're thankful for, and then to go around the circle and say what you want to pray for, you know? And right? it's like, I'm thankful for the dog. I want to pray for the dog, right? <laughs> yes. um, but when, when you give them that moment to, like, what is welling, like, what's what's stirring in your heart, and what, what are you experiencing in your heart that truly is causing you gratitude and thanksgiving, then that leads to a different kind of a response. And, or what, like, take time to, like, where's your heart broken? And what in the world causes your heart pain and suffering? And then go into times of attention, uh, intercession, so that their heart is activated in their relationship with God. And, because, uh, that's and good. so that's been really kind of been the, the place that I'm trying to. And I think that's incredible. Uh, yeah. What I'm finding is I'm my own heart is getting activated <laughs> yes. a little bit yeah. more. Yeah. You yes. know, like I want yes. my own, I think I'm doing it because I want it more. And so, but, uh, so it's really exciting time. This has been a really fun show. Like yeah, I feel like Dad, this is just one more friends thing? hanging out yeah. and talking. Can I have yeah. one more thing? Because yes. there's a third thing I want for my ch- my children. Well, actually, yes. Eli here at Damascus. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to the battle of our two boys in the Gaga Ball. Yes. Like, because we have a little wager on that. So, like, my flesh wants him to win. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll find out yeah. what happens. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So that's going to be the... The uh, the video that comes out yeah. post production yes. is the, whether or not Giovanni or Elijah right. win and determines his acceptance as the next year's yeah. Our friendship may be severed. Yeah. Why did the Zimber family get blocked from registration? Yeah. <laughs> Weightless. I'm That's sorry. Awesome. So you're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We've been with Thomas Yep and Jeff Zimber and Aaron Richards. This has been a great, awesome conversation. Yeah. Yeah. If you were blessed by this conversation just share it with others and if you've also been like if there's a hunger in you to have great christian brotherhood or sisterhood do something about it take a step roll up your sleeves and go do something about it uh and and the holy spirit desires that for you and the holy spirit will give that to you if you partner in activity with him so we're going to close in prayer who's hungry to close who wants it i'll do it in the name right. of the father the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. 
Holy Spirit, we love you and we welcome you here. We talked about you a lot today. We pray that you'd come and you'd fill us today as well as every listener of today's show. Lord, as we as we turn off this podcast or walk out of this room, I pray that you'd go with us, that you would make yourself present, show yourself present in our lives so that we could come into regular encounter, conversation, and dependence on you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Father, Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Like, share, do whatever you do with a podcast uh, so that we can reach more people. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.